Anybody waiting on something? Anybody waiting for a miracle? Throw your hand in the air real quick. If I got anybody waiting for a miracle? Praise God. Well, amen. Because here in God's presence, we believe in faith that God is a miracle worker. Amen. And I'm believing God each and every day for a miracle. And I want to just encourage you to believe God for a miracle. But you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we hope and we wait and we believe for the miracle. But there isn't much faith in the miracle worker. Hear me out. Sometimes our eyes are completely set on that thing that we need. And the only time we do pray is because our, our focus is completely on that which we want rather than the God who is able to provide. And so I want to encourage you today to just open your word with me as we take a look at a, at a, at a closer glimpse of, of who Jesus Christ is as Lord and Savior. And I hope to be an encouragement to those maybe that, that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior that you would open up your heart to receive and tonight is a night where I think every single person has the opportunity to walk out of here and to be able to know without a doubt that your life belongs to Jesus Christ. Can I get another amen for all of my believers? Because I'm not expecting everyone to say amen because I know that there are guests. I know that there are people here that just come to church just because maybe it's a good thing to do, to just come to church. But my hope is that at the end of the night, I got a lot more amens and a lot more hallelujahs, and a lot more praise the Lord's, because my hope is that every single one of you would have a revelation of who Jesus is as Lord and Savior. That is the greatest fulfillment of life. The greatest fulfillment is knowing that you are saved by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. And no matter where we attempt to go, and no matter what we are involved in, Jesus is always about the same business, and that is reaching the lost. And so no matter how far I attempt to escape God or attempt to create sort of a, a part-time belief in God or a part-time involvement with God or from time to time going to church, I want you to know that Jesus is full-time when it comes to his grace and mercy. He's full-time when, he, when it comes to loving you. It's, he's full-time when it comes to his hand extended saying, I'm, I'm, I want to take care of you. I want to love on you. I want to be your God. I want to be your Savior. I want you to know me to be a miracle worker for you. If you would just believe, if you would just trust me, if you would receive me, if you would come to this place to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, he will make you a new person. A new person. Some of you have been the, the old person for too long and your life has been defined by your past. Or maybe your life has been defined by your mistakes. Maybe tonight your identity is defined by the rejection that you face in life or what people have told you you are. But in this word, I'm told something else in accordance to God's will. I'm told that in Christ Jesus, I'm a new person. I'm told in Christ Jesus, I have a purpose. I'm told in the power of Christ Jesus and through his word and by his spirit that I am made new because of Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. And I don't know if everybody fully understands that. Because when you come to understand this incredible truth, there's joy that fills your heart. 
We know it as unspeakable joy. The joy that overrides my circumstances. The, the kind of circumstances that you and I go through when things aren't going right during the week. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Can I get an uh-huh? But when Jesus dwells inside of you, there's an unspeakable joy. An unspeakable joy that's not defined by my circumstances here on this earth because I got a heavenly father that's able to take care of me and do something supernatural in my life. Every single day, I anticipate the miracle-working power of God. I'm just going to read this story. We're going to get ready to pray. But I just need a few more minutes. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Jesus had taken some time to go visit a ruler of the Pharisees. It was a dinner invitation. He shows up, and there he is, surrounded by Pharisees and philosophers and intellectuals, and religious folk. And most of the people, pretty much all of the people that were sitting with him for dinner were very religious but they had no relationship with Jesus Christ. They didn't understand who Jesus really was as the Son of God, the Savior. But they were interested, and they were curious, and they were very interested in trying to make a good impression, not knowing that God made the greatest impression on the cross. You need to know that. It is not for you to impress God because God did the most impressive work when he came and showed up 2,000 years ago and died on the cross. And when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you and I, we get to live our lives fully impressed with the miracle-working power of God. I'm totally blown away by his glory. I'm totally blown away by his grace, by his mercy and his love for me. And I don't got to live my life attempting to make a good impression. All I got to do is just boast about my God who did it all for me on the cross. That's salvation. These guys, they, they, they didn't understand that. And so they, they, they created a huge spread for Jesus when he showed up at the house. And they were all gathered together. And Jesus took a moment and said something to them because he, he noticed the crowd that was around him. The upper class, well-dressed, them fancy folk. Y'all know them fancy folk. I'm not one of them. I'm from down south in Virginia in a small little suburb. I don't know nothing about no fancy folk. But you see them around. But Jesus, because he loves everybody, went to dinner with some fancy folk. And he said, listen, guys, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, Jesus said, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. You see, there's a, there's a greater celebration that's going to happen. There's a greater feast that's going to happen. Much bigger than the ones that the fancy folk put on. Much bigger than the parties and the clubs that go on in New York City. If you, if you think you can find a good time in New York City, wait till we get to heaven. I'm telling you. Verse 15, one of those who were reclined at the table, because you, you have to picture this, it's this huge spread, and, 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 and in that particular time period, you, you, you laid down while you ate. 
you stretch yourself out. I don't know how in the world we, we got to this place now where we got to sit upright. There, there, there are nights in my home where we, we just skip the dinner room table, the, the, the dinner table, and we just we spread out in the living room. Pizza night is the living room, you know. And, and, and they ate like that all the time. And so one of the guys was reclined at the table, just, just spread out. And he heard what Jesus was saying. He goes, because a lot of times there are people that think that they completely understand it all, but they really don't. Not without a relationship with Jesus. You will not understand the truths of the gospel, the truths of freedom in Jesus Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. But because he was an intellectual, and because he, he had did some reading of the Old Testament, he felt like he could respond to what Jesus said. So he goes, well, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And when he said this, he was referring only to his friends and buddies that were sitting at the table. So he actually got excited about what Jesus said, but he thought that the invitation only belonged to him and his friends. So he said, oh yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, we got to look out for the poor and the crippled, but blessed is he. Yes, for sure. Me and my buddies, my homies, we're going to be right with you in the kingdom. It's going to be nice. We throw great parties here. Wait till we get up there. We're going to turn up for you, Jesus. And it was blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then in verse 16 of Luke chapter 14, Jesus says to him, listen, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Oh, by the way, the, the, the title of this message is The Invites Went Out. And this man who is giving a great banquet is the Father in heaven. And he invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant, and that being Jesus. He sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field. I got to go and I got to check out the field and the property that I bought. And then the next one said, I, I bought five yoke of oxen and I got to go check them out too. Please have me excused. And another said in verse 20, I got married. I got a wife. And therefore I can't come to your dinner party, to your great banquet. Jesus said it was a, a great banquet that you and I have been invited to. Not just a dinner, a great banquet. Not just a barbecue on a hot summer day, a feast. This is beyond a buffet. There is a feast that you and I have been invited to. Some folks make excuses. Not that they didn't believe that there was a feast. They just felt like, I'll just get there when I get there. That attitude is still today. Oh, I... I, I believe there's a God. I, I believe there's a heaven, but I've got some other things in life that I just need to attend to. And, and, and maybe I'll come around to that point where I'll get serious about God. Maybe after I can, maybe after I can kind of settle down, you know, and, and, and maybe get married, or, or, or maybe after I finish my education, then I'll be more committed to the whole God thing. Maybe I'll, I'll be like all in, like, like the senior pastor Carter Conlon always says, well, you got to be all in. Oh, maybe, but right, right now I just got a whole lot going in. 
going on in, in my life. And, and, and Jesus is giving this story that speaks of God and his love for us and this invitation that has gone out to many and there is nothing but excuses going on. And so the servant, Jesus, verse 21, comes and reports these things to his master because Jesus is always walking in obedience to God. I'd like to believe that as he was, as he was constructing this story amongst the rulers and the Pharisees, I, I imagine that the story was, was de being developed out of even probably just time that he had with his father in prayer. I imagine that there were times, and as we read through scripture, that when he would go and pray and talk to his father, he probably talked about these dinners that he would have. God, I'm telling them that I'm here and you sent me. I'm telling them that I'm one with the Father. I'm telling them that it is, it is you that, that has sent me and you love them and you desire to be with them and, and you desire relationship. And they're just making excuses. And they, 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 they'd rather be on their, their phone, like, like, like a mobile device. And, and, and they, they'd rather be in a conversation arguing and yelling with one another rather than come to this place where they know that I am God and I love you. Jesus, God, you know, they, they, they love to be on this thing called YouTube. And they're on for hours. And I'm standing there going, I, I just want to spend a little time with you. But they're just on this, they're just watching all this stuff on YouTube all the time. And uh, I'm not mad at them for it because we've given them the, the capability to be able to create, create multimedia. But is there anyone fully surrendered to me? It's amazing how we can go and we can watch a movie for three hours, but we can't spend three minutes talking to Jesus. He says, Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant says, Sir, what you commanded has been done. Because that's what Jesus did. All about his father's business and he would go to the crippled, go to the lame, go to the blind. He'd open blind eyes. He'd touch the crippled. They'd be made whole again. He, he, he moved in a mighty and miraculous way. And he said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. And what you've commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, well then, well then go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. He said, look, you've got the crippled, you've got the lame, you've got the blind. Keep going, my son. Keep going. I want you to go out to the highways and to the hedges. When, when scripture says that he was angry, it, it wasn't an anger that reveals judgment. It was an anger that reveals the sincerity of God's love for you and I. So much so that he would say, well then keep going. Is there anybody, is there anybody that's willing to respond to the invitation? Is there anybody that's going to RSVP? Is there anybody that's going to come to the banquet table, that great feast, and experience the presence and the power of Jesus Christ? He said, I, I want you to find them. God is more interested in filling up heaven than he is sending people to hell. 
listen. This incredible story reveals to us the, 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 the power and, and the passion of God's love and, and his grace for you and I. And he, God said it himself, I want, my, I want heaven filled. I want to bring them home. I want them to, I want them to sit at my table for all eternity. I want them to know that this is, this is temporary. And I'm taking them home one day. So, son, go out to the highways. The highways represents everybody that's going in the wrong direction. The highways represent people that are, they've been on a, on a trip. They've been on a journey and they're going the wrong way. And he said, yes, those people, the ones that are completely lost, the ones that are, are going in their own direction, go after them with my love and mercy. You see, there's no, there's no highway that you can travel down and God can't find you. There's, there's, no, there's no highway. There's no road that you can take from New York City to the ends of the earth and God won't track you down. <sighs> wow. You can't compete. You and I can't compete with God's love. It's unconditional and it stretches beyond our rebellion. He said, go out to the hedges. The hedges are... The walls, the walls that have been built up that represent division, separation, and rejection, that feeling like you're not able to be a part of something. Many people having been hurt, many people have lived a lifestyle so dark and so wicked that you in and of yourself have created a wall between you and God feeling like there's no way I can be a part of what God is doing. There's no way I can come to the table. There's no way I can sit down and feast with God. I'm, I'm just a mess. But let me tell you something. God welcomes all people, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the lost, the hurting, the rebel, the sinner are all welcome to the table. You see, uh, I, I liken it to a team. I, I liken it to the idea of a, of, a, of a sports team. You don't have to try out with God. You just need to show up and you get a place on the team. And the walls come down. When I was 11, 12 years old, my parents were missionaries in Nigeria. Many of you already know this story. And I really fell in love with soccer while I was in Nigeria. I remember at 12 years old, we, we, we lived in a compound, uh, kind of just a compound with, with two homes. There was this one house there, and it was our house, and it was like a cement wall compound. And if any of you know anything about Africa or different parts of Africa, but in Nigeria, for our own safety, when they built the wall, they, they put glass on top. They, they stuck glass on top of the wall while it was still wet. And in other countries, they've, in other third world countries, they've done that too. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Can I get an amen? amen. So there's this, this high wall that's about anywhere from seven to eight feet that, that surrounds the entire compound, the perimeter of where we live. And it has very sharp glass sticking out on top of the entire wall. And that was set up like that 
for the safety of those that lived inside the compound. Because back then, in the late 80s, there was a lot of robbery that was going on in this particular city of Nigeria. But in this space, in our yard, we had a, we had a, we had a space that was about the size of a soccer field. And there was another family that lived there in the compound, and they had two sons that were my age. One son, his name was God Willing. That was his name, God Willing. And his brother's name was, thank God. That was the names. And they became two of my closest friends for two years. And so, thank God and God willing, I learned to play football. And then thank God and God willing, also had an accent and spoke broken English. So they would come to me and they'd say, Dave, make with they go play football right now. And so we would go play. And then I realized after a bit of time that I was getting better. My accent was getting better. My broken English was fluent. Not anymore though. I just, I'm a little rusty. And we would play. Just the three of us. And then my brothers would join us. And so there, would we, there we would be, five of us. But I said to myself one day, I'll never forget, I was like, the game is supposed to be played with 11 players on one team and 11 players on the other team. I said, we need to, we need to invite others from the neighborhood. And God willing was like, Dev, Dev, you can't do that. That's, that's not a good idea. We don't know where they are coming from. I said, God willing, God willing. Make with they play football with everybody, oh. He said, ah, ah, oh my goodness. He said, listen, I said, I said, we're just, we're just gonna go out and just talk with people. I said, well, come on, we'll, we'll just start heading down the streets and looking for them. Dev, oh, Dev, you are always thinking about people. I said, I know. Because, you know, the more the better. And so myself, and thank God and God willing, stepped out the gates. You get it, right? And there we were, God willing, looking for people. Thank God, finding somebody else. God willing, found somebody else. You want to come and play football? Come on. You want to come and play football? Come on. And all in a day, all in a day, the highways, the walls came down. And before you knew it, there was not just 22 children playing football in Nigeria. We had about 40, 50, 60 all in the, in the yard playing football. It was, I had to write a schedule. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not a good administrator anyway. But I had to put the teams together. I created a tournament. I was so excited. And I said, come on, make me play football oh, all day long. 
And we played all day, took breaks, took some time to climb the mango tree, ate mangoes for lunch, came back down and played. And there we were. And it was a feast as we went out to receive everybody to come in. Had a great time. And there I was smiling at thank God and God willing that everyone is invited to come and be a part of the team. And we didn't go out looking for the best players. We looked for anybody who wanted to come and be in fellowship. Well, let me tell you something. That is the heart of God. He will go the highways. He will go to the hedges. He will go find anybody who is willing to come in and be on his team. And you and I just got to say yes. The invites went out. And you might think tonight that you don't qualify for this incredible freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. But God qualifies the unqualified. Anybody tonight? Has anybody tonight just kind of felt like there's been a wall between you and God? You just felt like you've been, like, for whatever reason it could be, just, I, I just feel like there's a wall between, between God and I. And, and this, is the why, this is why Jesus gave us that incredible story. When God said, well, then, good, you got the crippled, the lame, the blind, because I want to heal. I want to set free, and I want to deliver. But also those two that really feel like they are far gone, those that feel like there's just this wall that divides them. And that wall is going to come down tonight in the name of Jesus. That wall is going to come down tonight in the name of Jesus. And everyone gets the invitation to come and sit at the dinner table at the great banquet with Jesus Christ. And at that banquet table, oh my goodness, you don't have to pay for the meal. He paid the price on the cross when he died for all of your sins. He paid the price. You can come sit and you can rest and relax and enjoy the feast of God's grace, his mercy and his love and his miracle working power to transform your life and make you a new person. It is so good to know that God paid the price. You don't owe anything. All you need to do is just believe in faith that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you are saved tonight. You're made a new person. That very belief in Jesus Christ, that very little bit of, bit of faith brings that wall right on down. But you've got to know that your sins have been paid for. That whatever you did yesterday, it's paid for. He died for it. You can come feast in the presence of God. A lot of people hesitate to come and sit down in the presence of God because they feel like they still are going to get to God but then have to owe something or earn something or not quite sure. My, my, my wife and I one time it, it, it actually has been a number of times back in the day for us when we'd have friends that would invite us out to dinner and I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you get invited out to dinner the restaurant was picked out and when you get there it's like one of them real nice fancy restaurants and the only thing you can think of is oh my goodness how are we going to pay for this <laughs> you ever been stuck in that moment I have, and I'm trying, I'm like, my, my wife is like tapping me like, like on the leg. I feel like she's giving me the amount of where we can go in the menu, you know, like, I'm like, I know this already. And we're, we're, we're both like so uncomfortable at the table because we're so worried about what we can afford and is this in the budget and is it going to cost us too much? But there's nothing like that moment when the people that invited you out look across the table and go, oh, by the way, get whatever you want. 
we're paying for it. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, wow. Suddenly, in that moment, right, the, the menu just looks gorgeous, right? Suddenly, all of a sudden, like the menu just looks amazing to look at. Suddenly, right there in that moment, conversation just gets better. You feel relaxed. You can't wait to get to the dessert. You hope that this night never ends as long as I'm not paying for it. You're not paying for it tonight. Let's allow the walls to come down and let's feast in the presence of Jesus tonight. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what you're going through, but I want to pray with you. Man, the walls got to come down. They got to come down. I'm going to feast. I'm going to feast in his love. I'm going to feast in his grace. If you've been dealing with some walls that have caused you to feel like you're separated from God, we're going to pray with you tonight in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. See, it's the presence of Jesus Christ that you feel. That's how the change happens. When we say yes to God, because he did all the work. He came to get us, and, and he died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. We just get the opportunity to just fall in the arms of his grace. And, and now that you're standing here, and now that you said yes to God, no going back. No going back. And, 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 and God receives us just the way we are, too. This is really important just the way we are. And each and every day he reveals just his love and, and his grace. And, and as you read the word and as you pray, you're, you're here maybe saying, man, yeah, I, I, there's been this wall that has just kind of been built up because of my mistakes. And I have felt so separated from God. But now we draw near to a loving God by the power of his mercy and his love and his finished work on the cross when, when he died for us. And so now we're going to pray with you. Oh, man. He bottles up our tears. He keeps account of all of our wanderings. He's faithful. He knows you by name. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I stand before you as a sinner. I've messed up. I confess all my wrongs. Forgive me, Jesus. Come inside my life and make me a new person. I believe you died for me on the cross. You died for all my sins and you rose again on the third day. And because of you, Jesus, I am a new person. The wall comes down. Thank you for saving me, for coming to get me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God.